Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me. Yeah, that's Emilio. And in this uh, episode, we're going to be uh, continuing our series in which we uh, discuss the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college. We're going to be discussing the University of San Francisco. In this episode, we'll also be uh, taking a look at the uh, second round series in the Eastern Conference. But before we do those things, we uh, we feel like we got to address uh, the uh, recent events and uh, that have uh, delayed NBA games over the course of the last uh, few days. Uh, players uh, deciding not to play out of a uh, desire to bring attention to police brutality. Uh, the recent shooting of uh, Jacob Blake and uh, and you know, just a continuation of a pattern that's been going on for, uh, for centuries and uh, really in, uh, in, been in, in our public consciousness much more recently. And, and uh, both Emilio and I, as, uh, as white guys, uh, me as a white man and Mills as a white boy, I mean, it's not like we have uh, the perspective that you really need to be listening to on this subject. But we, uh, you know, as, as NBA podcasters, uh, feel like we have a responsibility to, uh, to you know, address what's been going on. Yeah, um, the Bucks did. Bucks didn't go out on the court um, the other day, and most people thought it was um, uh, a lot of the announcers. I watch them, like a lot of the people talking about the NBA. I watch them video on them, what, what they were saying, and they most of them liked it. But then I heard in the player meetings that they, some of the players were saying like um, that they wish the Bucks had um, told them in advance. Yeah, I think there's uh, just uh, some differences of opinion and uh, and some fr- very understandable frustration around uh, the, the way in which uh, this all went down. I mean, you know, really came down to to the Bucks. I mean, I think led by George Hill, as we understand the reporting, and Sterling Brown, and Sterling Brown, like really deciding to uh, to draw a line. I mean, right right here. I mean, you know, we we'd just seen this horrific video of uh, Jacob Blake being shot by police and. The Bucks uh, being in the position they were in, in the series, and I mean where we are in our society right now. I mean up up three one in in their series, and being willing to just like take a forfeit. I mean, which is apparently what the plan was. I mean, uh, you know, kind of had to figure it out quickly what they were planning on doing, and then uh, decided, okay, we're going to make a stand like right now, and we're we're not going to wait and, and consult with people and, and see if it's okay with everybody. We're going to uh, make people pay attention to this uh, in in this moment right here, and uh, I think. You know, really, really commendable and, and laudable action in, in certainly in my view to, uh, you know, take advantage of the moment and uh, really make everyone think about police brutality, make everyone think about these issues and remind everyone what these players are, uh, are, are trying to accomplish in the bubble here. Mm-hmm. You know, br- bringing attention to the issues that are uh, plaguing their community and our community in, in general. And, um, you know, I think I, I'm super, super impressed with uh with, with the Bucks and you know with George Hill with uh, with with Giannis as well for uh, you know being on board with uh, with you know prioritizing something above the basketball right now because I mean it, it really is appropriate and uh, you know these guys are are in an unusual position to have an impact in the way that they uh, that they are that they have and uh, you know I think uh, they deserve a ton of credit for uh, for doing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we, uh, we we definitely wanted to uh, make sure we, uh, we yeah. came through with uh, with our, our thoughts on on the matter. We really have a lot of respect for the Bucks and for the NBA players, and uh, you know, glad to be even tangentially associated with uh, 
with the NBA by virtue of doing this podcast. I think uh, the, the NBA responding the way it has, uh, listening to the players and, uh, you know, wanting to get back to the table with them and, you know, making the kind of statements that they have publicly uh, really speaks well of, uh, of the league and the league culture. So we're going to transition from that to uh, talking about uh, our, our, our team for this week. And uh, it's highlighted by uh, a you know, prominent uh, social activist and, um, and someone who's uh, spoken out on issues of social justice a lot over the course of his career and uh, dealt with a lot of racism as well. So we'll, we'll get to uh, our team, University of San Francisco, a school that hasn't produced a whole lot of NBA talent in recent years. But uh, we'll get back to uh, some of the players in its past, as we do on these episodes. We're going to go through a position by position, starting at center, then power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. Without further ado, Mills, who do you have at San Francisco center? I got Bill Russell. I mean, this guy was so good. Yeah, you got to have Bill Russell. I completely agree. Let's get into some of his uh, accomplishments. Hall of Famer, 12-time All-Star, 4-time rebound champ, 11-time NBA champ, 11-time all all NBA, five-time MVP, um, one-time All-Star Game MVP, and All Defense Team. Yeah, I mean you re- the, the the number the uh, accolades go on and on when you're talking about Bill Russell. I mean we've we've talked about it a, a whole lot amongst ourselves. I mean eleven titles in thirteen years. I mean like th- this this guy was uh, just a winning machine. Yeah, I mean twenty-two point five rebounds for his career. Wasn't even that good of a score. I mean, only 15.1 points. Yeah, I mean, staggering rebounding numbers. And I think, you know, when you look at uh, at Bill Russell's accomplishments, I mean, they're really so much more focused on the defensive end. I mean, you know, what, what he was able to do in, in stopping the other team from scoring, whether it was his rebounding or, you know, things that don't show up in the in, in the box score. But, I mean, certainly his, uh, his, his rebounding, I mean, second in rebounds per game all time, second in rebounds all time. I mean, I think. 13 years. I mean, you know how long some of these uh, big men who he's competing with in those categories uh, ended up playing? Just a, a but a d- defensive monster. I mean, you know, you look at reports from, uh, you know, early days of his career, people uh, watching him play for the first time or going up against him for the first time, guys who were established in the league. And they were scared of him. They were really scared of him. And I, I think, you know, you see a lot of comments like, you know, wow, if this guy can ever, like, hit the rim, like, he's going to be an absolute monster. Like, we're going to need to, like, you know, come up with a new league kind of thing. Because, I mean, he was just so clearly, at, once they reached a certain point, um, the, the next level, the evolution of the, of the league, I mean, where, where things were going, and a guy who was going to be a total dominator. And, like, boy, did he deliver on that promise. Yeah. Just a, a phenomenal scorer and a, a guy who became a, a head coach, the, the first uh, black head coach uh, late in his career as well. Uh, ended up winning titles as a head coach, as uh, you know, in addition to player coach. As, as a player coach, exactly right. I mean, doing both jobs, uh, exactly. Uh, so, interestingly, uh, drafted by the uh, by the St. Louis Hawks and uh, and and Delta the Celtics. Yeah, traded for Ed McCauley and uh, Cliff Hagen. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, about like Bill Russell's uh, background as well. I mean, you know, having uh, dealt with a lot of the issues that are uh, you know continuing to confront our our society and the NBA specifically uh, right now. Yeah, he like um, didn't sign autographs. Yeah, I think he he had a, a lot of uh, distrust towards uh, towards fans and uh, towards you know the people in in Boston where of course he played uh, you know his entire career. I mean, you know, had a 
difficult, tumultuous relationship with Boston. I mean, you know, getting to the point of, of not attending his uh, Jersey retirement mm -hmm. ceremony. And well, um, I think there was actually no fans. Yeah, so I mean, it, right? They didn't have a relationship with, uh, with 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 Boston fans that was uh, uh, good for a long time. I mean, you know, during his playing career and after as well. But I, I know he, you know, he's a man who experienced a lot of, uh, you know, the racism that we're we're talking about in our uh, society right now. Mm -hmm. Experienced a lot of that and a lot of segregation, and um, you know, had you know, his, his, uh, his worldview impacted by, uh, by those experiences. So, I mean, you can understand where he was coming from and, and appreciate, um, you know, uh, the, the, the influence that he's had in, in, in pushing these issues forward and getting them into the, into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, is, is there more you want to, uh, you want to discuss on, uh, on, on Bill Russell? I mean, this guy, uh, uh, an all time, an all time great. I mean, you know, guy who was, who while at UCF, USF, excuse me, uh, San Francisco, uh, also participated in like track and field events. I mean, just like an, an incredible, incredible athlete. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't have that much more to say about him. Okay. But um, yeah, he was really good. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal player and uh, one of the all-time NBA greats. Let's move on to uh, Power Forward then, Mills. Who you got? I got Bill Cartwright. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about Bill Cartwright. Yeah, I mean, he was a solid player, 20 points a game, um, two years in a row, first two years of his career, one-time All-Star, three-time NBA champ. Yeah, and actually, San Francisco, I think, has the most titles with all the players combined of any other team. It's like it's like 23 or something. Yeah, really a, a shocking number. I mean, you know, you add Bill Russell's 11 titles in there, that obviously is going to move the needle a lot, but... I mean, we're going to get to uh, other multiple title guys uh, further into this list. But, I mean, Bill Cartwright contributing three on his own. I mean, as a starting center on the Jordan Bulls, I mean, like this is this is pretty big-time stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so as, as you mentioned, started his career with, with, the, uh, with the Knicks and had those, uh, you know, initial seasons where he scored 20 points per game, an all-star that first season. And, um, you know, kind of his career was on a ter terrific trajectory, I mean, really, as, as the Knicks starting center for uh, those first five years of his career. Unfortunately, uh, suffered uh, two really injury-plagued seasons. Had foot problems, the, the you know in uh, 84-85 and 85-86, uh, and was really replaced in the uh, Nick hierarchy by Patrick Ewing at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean Patrick Ewing drafted in the year that he didn't play at all. Yeah, so I mean you know Patrick Ewing obviously number one overall pick. I mean came in and was successful immediately. So I mean so I'm, I'm sure it made the Knicks think, okay, well we have this other you know, high quality center. We don't know what he's going to be like coming back from injury and let's see, uh, you know, what we could do with him. And uh, as we were discussing just before we started recording, I mean, it ended up getting traded for uh, Charles Oakley. Yeah. I mean, going to the Bulls, but he won a couple of titles there. So it wasn't too bad for him. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I think a, a good, a good situation probably for both teams right there. I mean, you know, the Bulls making room at power forward for Horace Grant and, and putting, uh, you know, center of the quality of Bill Cartwright in there. And, um, and the Knicks obviously getting Charles Oakley, who was a key contributor to those Knicks squads. Mm -hmm. So it ended up working out pretty nicely. Uh, went on to uh, coach after his career as well. Yes. Uh, Notice he's one of the uh, more efficient uh, field goal shooters in uh, NBA history. Actually, uh, 41st in uh, true shooting percentage for his career and 56th in uh, field goal percentage with a uh, uh, 550, sorry, uh, 525, uh, 52.5% shooting. Um, was there more you wanted to uh, say about Bill Cartwright? I mean, it has some uh, interesting nicknames. 
Yeah, I mean, Mr. Bell, Teach, Dollar Bill, Medical Bill, Bill, Billy Idol. Yeah, some nastier ones there with Medical Bill and Billy Idol, obviously, having suffered through those uh, two injury-plagued seasons that we just mentioned. But, uh, you know, sometimes that's uh, just the way it goes in, uh, in, in pro sports or, uh, or in life. You catch, uh, catch these nicknames. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to uh, small forward. I, I had Bill Cartwright at power forward as well. Definitely more of a center, but, you know, obviously you got to leave center for Bill Russell in this squad. For sure. Yeah, um, I had Joe Ellis. Yeah, let's talk about Joe Ellis. Definitely not as well known as uh, as our, our first two players. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, solid player. I mean, there's not that many other options here, but solid player. I mean, played a while in the league. Yeah, he did. He got uh, 524 regular season games in, played with the, uh, with the San Francisco Warriors and the Golden State Warriors when they um, moved across the uh, across the bay there. Um, yeah, I mean, a reasonable contributor. I, I agree. There's, we're not awash in, uh, in, in three options from uh, San Francisco. I mean, this guy has the right kind of positional size at uh, 6'6", 175 or so. And, uh, you know, kind of a cool story. A, a lot of these uh, San Francisco players uh, attended um, – High school in San Francisco, there wasn't a lot of uh, broad recruiting from San Francisco, despite having a really successful team over the course of uh, a number of years. And uh, Joe Ellis went to uh, McClyman's uh, high school, I believe the same high school that, uh, that Bill Russell attended. Um, and, uh, you know, local guy. I mean, local guy who stayed local his entire career. Yes. I mean, San Francisco Warriors and Golden State Warriors and, uh, you know, having gone to, to college there too. So not too, I mean, you don't see that too often where uh, someone's able to stay, stay in the same geographical region for uh, their entire high school, uh, college, and pro careers. Yeah. So you had Joe Ellis there at the, at the three. I had him at the three as well. I mean, I, I think uh, not an overwhelming talent, but I think did enough uh, kind of defensively, uh, as, as best we can tell by the numbers, to, uh, to warrant this selection. Although, uh, yeah, not much of an offensive player. I mean, under 40% shooting for his uh, career. Emilio <laughs> <laughs> uh, making a... Neanderthal kind of face over here for some reason. All right, so let's uh, let's keep moving here. We got uh, who who got a shooting guard? Um, yeah, I didn't know anything about this guy before, but um, Phil Smith. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Phil Smith. He's uh, he was my selection as well. Yeah, unfortunately, he's dead right now. Um, but yeah, he's two-time All-Star, NBA champ, All ABA, All NBA, and All Defense team in the same year, and the NBA champ before, the year before that. So pretty good guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was a notable player. I mean, got up to uh, you know twenty points per game, just shy of that, on in a few occasions, uh, you know, four times basically, up up nineteen points or above. Um, as you mentioned, uh, two-time All-Star. And a guy who uh, you know started a lot of games, played a lot of minutes for uh, for the Warriors early in his career, and for sure. uh, yeah, I mean a major NBA contributor. There's no question about it. Uh, as you mentioned, and, uh, passed away at untimely age of uh, just 50 in, back in 2002. But a uh, guy who's uh, really beloved, I think, in San Francisco. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I saw that there's a uh, Phil Smith Day in uh, San Francisco. Um, yeah, you know these uh, these athletes, uh, especially hometown guys, can really make uh, make that kind of uh, an, an impact on a, on a city, on a municipality, a region. And uh, yeah, Phil Smith, a uh, San Francisco guy, for sure. Just like the last guy we talked about, Joe Ellis. Exactly. So I mean, yeah, I think uh, see see that thread running through these uh, San Francisco players, to be sure. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's continue to uh, to move here. Uh, who you got a point guard? 
I got Casey Jones. Yeah, I think you got to have Casey Jones at, at point guard. Let's talk a little bit about this guy. He is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, actually, my grandma went to his um, jersey retirement. Nice. Um, yeah, but um, eight-time NBA champ. Yeah, I mean, that re- that's really what stands out about Casey Jones, isn't it? For sure. I mean, eight-time NBA champ. I mean, I think that's got to be close to most all-time. Yeah, I mean it, it's, uh, it's it's a lot lot of titles exactly. I mean I know you know we just discussed someone on this episode, Bill Russell, who has more titles than uh, Casey oh, Jones. <laughs> but there are very few of those guys. I mean, in, in fact, I mean Casey Jones, an eight-time NBA champ as a player, two-time NBA champ as an assistant, and a two-time NBA champ as a head coach. So this guy was racking up the NBA championships. Yeah, it's twelve. Yeah, it's pretty pretty remarkable. And, uh, I mean, when you look at his career, I mean, does he strike you as the kind of guy who would, like, be, a tw- be like, part of 12 championship teams? I mean, it's interesting looking at his, uh, his statistical resume all these years later. I mean, not that good. He didn't really fill out the stat sheet. No, he didn't. I mean, you know, pretty middling stats. And I think if you look at any sort of, uh, you know, predictor of, like, whether someone would be in the Hall of Fame or not, you know, based on the statistical profile, he falls way short, right? I yeah, mean, like, what is his Hall of Fame percentage? Yeah, it's got to be something pretty low. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, 28.7%. And I, I wonder whether there's, I, I'm, I'm sure, actually, there, there's some weight in there for, like, how many times you win the championship. I mean, like, wh- whether, you know, you have a higher Hall of Fame probability or not. But um, what can you say? I mean, this, this, this guy was on incredibly successful teams. I mean, and he, it's not like he didn't play. I mean, it's not like he was like a, you know, bench guy, you know, a guy who barely got off the bench. I mean, he played real minutes on uh, a ton of title teams. Yeah, for sure. Definitely knew how to win and definitely one of the uh, the winningest people involved in the NBA all time. For sure. And uh, you got to give him respect. He's uh, certainly my point guard as well. All right, so let's uh, let's just run through our uh, collective uh, lineup here for San Francisco. I know we had exactly the same guys in our in our uh, lineup, and we can then get to a couple of the guys we wanted to mention. Center: Bill Russell, power forward: Bill Cartwright, small forward: Joe Ellis, shooting guard: Phil Smith, and point guard: Casey Jones. Cool. So let's. Uh, that's uh, what. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, "Cool." Um, all right, let's let's talk about uh, Quentin Daly. Yeah, I mean, all rookie team. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, seventh overall pick in the '82 draft, so came in with some, you know, some acclaim, some some cred, and uh, got off to a pretty good start in his career. For sure. Yeah, I mean, fourteen point one points per game for his career. I mean, played five hundred and twenty-eight career games. Um, yeah, so, solid player. Yeah, I think he was uh, part of uh, the kind of class of uh, players at University of San Francisco that uh, were doing some illegal activities. Uh, kind of getting getting paid uh, to play at San Francisco, kind of uh, off the books. So people wouldn't, you know, you're not allowed to pay college players. But there are ways that you can kind of like get around that by like, here's like a job that uh, you can uh, that you can have, but you don't actually have to go to it. We're just going to give you the money from it. So I mean, you know, with kind of friends of the school, that kind of stuff. So there there was some of that going on at University of San Francisco around the time that Quentin Daly was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got San Francisco got in trouble for it, and they actually shut down the basketball program there for several years after he left. And I know there were other uh, you know allegations of uh, criminal activity on you know against uh, Quentin Daly around this time. 
And I think uh, between that and kind of uh, being in maybe the wrong place at the wrong time with, you know, being on the Bulls as uh, Jordan entered the scene, you know, playing in a similar position, uh, you know, not 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 the best uh, not the best luck for, uh, for for Quentin Daly there, and I think you know that kind of stuff uh, sidetracked his his you know promising start to his career. Yes, for sure. Uh, also wanted to mention uh, Kevin Rastani. Yeah, I know you were talking about this guy I and mean, Big Bird, but like I don't really have much to say about him. I mean, he w- I I don't think he was very impactful in playing. Well, another one of these like San Francisco guys, right? Born in San Francisco, high school in San Francisco, you know, college in San Francisco. But he did end up playing in a few other places around the league. Yeah, I mean, not not super notable, but I mean, you know, got 550 games in in the league. You got to respect that, and uh, you know, a, a contributor. I mean, you know, a guy guy who could play play a little power forward, a little small forward, and uh, unfortunately, also, uh, you know, passed away uh, far too young in age. It's, uh, it seems to be a trend among these uh, San Francisco players, sadly. That Big Bird nickname also pretty. Uh, pretty and Quentin Daly also passed away. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Uh, it, yeah, definitely really unfortunate. Um, we have wanted, wanted to mention uh, Mike Farmer as well, like looking back to the, the earlier days of San Francisco basketball. This is, I mean, this guy was picked third overall in the draft uh, back in 1958. That's good in college. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, part of uh, those really successful teams that, uh, that, you know, Bill Russell was associated with back in his days, um, you know, made his way into the league with, with the Knicks and, uh, you know, played – you know, I, I guess you know, not not a super notable uh, 423. Uh, yeah, uh, regular season it's rough games. because the two games, um, two games that he was on the Knicks for, the um, in 60-61, he was on the Knicks for like two games. Yeah, and those two games he didn't score at all, so that was kind of rough. Yeah, that is that is that is kind of rough. Um, wanted to mention also uh, Ime Udoka. Yeah. You got anything about him? Yeah, you told me before the episode that he uh, might be head coach in. Yeah, he's uh, been an assistant for uh, for quite a few years under um, under Greg Popovich in uh, San Francisco. I think shortly after his playing career ended, his guy was only forty three right now, and um, made his way to uh, the the Sixers uh, this past season. I've definitely seen his name associated with uh, head coaching vacancies as like a possible candidate. So it wouldn't, wouldn't be shocking at all if um, this uh, University of San Francisco attendee uh, was making noise in the NBA again. He's really the most recent guy mm-hmm. uh, to have played at University of San Francisco at all, even though he was only there for one year as a player uh, before transferring to Portland State. Not a super notable NBA career, but did have, um, you know, a season where he started 75 games. You know, I mean, like, it, he, he showed up and was uh, an NBA player for, uh, you know, a bunch of years between his uh, mm-hmm. age 26 and age 33 Playing seasons. Playing France and Spain also. Yeah, so definitely, you know, one of these guys who, uh, you know, was up for playing ball around the world um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, was able to do it for a long time as a result. I wanted to also mention uh, Fred Scolari. I don't know if you looked into this guy at all, well-known as uh, Fat Freddy, uh, Blubber, Butterball. Yeah, I mean, two-time All-Star. Yeah, actually it seemed like he, he could really ball out. I mean, uh, evidently uh, blind in one eye and deaf in one ear and, like, uh, you know, kind of on the on the, on the the heavy side. And his uh, nickname was, uh, you know, an effective scorer for uh, for quite a few years. I mean, look at, I mean, you know, look at his uh, credentials in the BAA and NBA, 534 uh, combined career regular season games, and averaged upwards of uh, 11 points per game. Yeah, um, most free throw percent, the career, um, league leader in free throw percentage, his first year in the league. <laughs> That's right, back in uh, yeah 46-47 in the uh, BAA. Why are you laughing about 
<laughs> it's it's a, a pretty uh, pretty arcane piece of uh, of I don't know info to uh, to throw out there, but uh, it is it is interesting to note. Also wanted to mention before we uh, wrap this uh, segment up, uh, Chubby Cox, because uh, you mentioned to me that uh, you noticed something pretty interesting about this guy. His nephew is Kobe. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty notable. I agree. I mean, the guy didn't play very much in the league. I mean, just uh, you know, part of one season, just seven games back in eighty two, eighty three for the uh, Bullets, but. If you have your nephew, that's uh, Kobe. That's uh, notable. Yeah, very notable. Certainly agree with that. So, uh, all right, we'll, we'll take a, a quick break here, and we're going to come back in just a couple of minutes uh, to discuss the Eastern Conference second-round matchups. Now we're back to uh, discuss the uh, second round in the Eastern Conference, but before we do that, we're going to take a, a quick look back at uh, what happened in the first round in the Eastern Conference. So let's uh, let's get this started uh, by talking about that uh, Bucks magic series that just concluded yesterday. Yeah, I mean... Easy win for the Bucks, I think. Surprising first um, game win for the Magic, but the Bucks just took care of business in the next four series MVP. I think for that series, Giannis. I mean, you can't really say anybody else. Yeah, definitely Giannis. I mean, uh, you know, averaged uh, you know thirty point six points, uh, sixteen rebounds, six assists, point uh, six steals, and point six blocks in the series, and really didn't have to work too hard for it either. I mean, you look at those minute totals for the Bucks during the series. I mean, you know, you have. Giannis under 32 minutes, Chris Middleton also under 32 minutes, Brooke Lopez just over 30 minutes. So no one really working too hard in this series. You got to think that's going to set them up well for uh, for their next series, at least in yes. terms of rest. For sure. Yeah. So uh, I mean, anything to uh, to note in terms of uh, the Magic performance? I mean, as you mentioned, they they had that uh, that game one win, which was like nice job by them. Not really. I mean, Nikola Vucevic was pretty nice. I mean, you got you got to give this guy some credit. I mean, thirty-seven mm-hmm. minutes a game during the series and averaged uh, twenty-eight and eleven with four assists. Mm-hmm. That's good work out of him. I mean, you, you got to be happy putting that in the uh, in, in, on the basketball reference page. Yes. Despite going down, I mean, definitely overmatched here. So no no, no shame in uh, in falling to the Bucks. Let's uh, move on to the. Um, oh, I mean, obviously, I'm taking Giannis to be clear of uh, my player of the series. Uh, let's move on to that Nets-Raptors series. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I actually watched this one that much, but it seems like the Raptors just swept them out. Yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, there's a lot of basketball on. You kind of do have to make some choices as to what you're going to prioritize, and this one seemed like it was going to be a walkover, and, you know, it was, it was a walkover, yeah. I think, you know, when you look at uh, at series MVP, you can really look in a few different directions. Where, where I think go. I'm going to go Fred Van Vliet, but. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. You could also easily go Siakam. I mean. Or even Serge Buck. He had a good series. Absolutely. Really good series. I mean, averaged, I mean, just under 24 minutes, uh, 19.3 points, uh, 10.3 rebounds, two assists. I mean, and a block. That's that's definitely helping. I mean, that, that's a really good job by him. Shot 63%, 57% on threes, so. Big time work from Serge Ibaka, and like we'll just have to see how much of this can roll over to the next series against the Celtics, which begins uh, today as we record this. Very excited for that. Very excited for that. Uh, I w- I'll, I'll take Pascal Siakam to be a little bit more uh, to mix it up. I'm actually going to take Serge Ibaka. All right, uh, that works too. I mean, I think th- these are these are good uh, good choices both. Uh, what anything you saw out of the out of the Nets in this series? Just looking at the uh, the stats. I mean, not really. They just did not play that well. No, they 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 did not. I mean, it was uh, yeah, poor poor shooting. I mean, under under forty percent shooting for the for the series. I mean, you're obviously, just not going to get it done. I mean, the Raptors, a terrific defensive team, have a lot to do with that. But 
uh, you know, also just wildly undermatched in terms of the players available to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even lost Joe Harris during the series. I mean, it just uh, they did. Yeah, he he left the bubble after uh, after game two, I think. And uh, yeah, they, they yeah they were definitely overmatched, but uh, you know we'll see. We're going to see a very different uh, Nets team uh, when we get back to playing basketball again. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's uh, let, let's move on to the Sixers and Celtics. This was uh, a, another sweep. Yeah, I mean, Celtics just easily won this. Yeah, I mean, what were, how, how does that compare to your uh, your? I mean, how was it watching that play out? I mean, compared to your expectations. It was weird. I thought the Celtics were going to win that easily. Yeah, it definitely took me out a little bit off guard as well. I mean, obviously, you know, playing without Ben Simmons is a major issue for uh, for the Sixers. But I mean, uh, to to get wiped off the floor like that was uh, was pretty painful. I mean, look at what uh, Joel Embiid was able to accomplish in this series. Like nothing. Yeah, I mean, it really feels that way. Even though he averaged like thirty and twelve for the for the series with you know almost a block and a half and a steal and a half uh, in in there as well. But there's, I mean. Not much else going on for the uh, for, for the Sixers in this series. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just the, the shooting did not come through. I mean, again, another team shooting under forty percent for the series. I mean, they had no points for Norval Pell or Kyle Quinn. Yeah, and you, you need those guys to be filling it up for sure. Well, you need them to at least score one basket. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even Furkan Korkmaz only had uh, three free throws in the series. Um, yeah, just not not what you needed from uh, from the Sixers a- at all in this series. And I mean, they've already fired their head coach, so obviously changes are coming in uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, so, who do you have as your uh, series MVP here? I think probably a few different options here too. Jason Yeah, he's the best. I mean, he's you know top scorer in the series, twenty seven points per game, almost ten rebounds per game as well. Well, actually, Joel Embiid. Oh right, yeah, you're right, dude, totally right. So Joel Embiid scored more points uh, uh, per game during the series, but uh, among the the winners, uh, certainly. Uh, Jason Tatum, the best statistical resume, averaged uh, 2.3 blocks per game. I mean, nine blocks in the four games as well. So that's that jumps off the page at you a little bit. Obviously, tiny sample here, but still. Uh, so, yeah, Jason Tatum looking great. Celtics looking great. Uh, obviously, lost Gordon Hayward, so that's a bummer. But uh, obviously, still look pretty good after he was gone. He'll be coming back soon, I think. It's going to be a few weeks at least, so uh, they're going to have to make do without him for at least this next series. And but they have Marcus Smart. So. Exactly. I mean, they, they're pretty deep, and they have, uh, have have other options. So let's talk about that Heat Pacers series. This is another one that uh, we might have expected to be a little bit closer than it was and has also resulted in the head coach of the losing team getting fired already. Yeah, I mean, Goran Dragic, the Heat leading scorer. Yeah, he played great. I mean, he's, he's looking really good right now. It looks like Goran Dragic of old. So that's definitely helping the uh, the Heat right now. I mean, you know, got, you know typically, you know, good uh, three-point shooting. I mean, you know, up, up at 39% as a team helped a ton. I mean, Duncan Robinson, uh, you know, popping that, uh, you know, 45% clip like he does. As, uh, you know, the Heat look really good. I mean, you know, I don't know what there is to say. I mean, I can't wait to see them in this next matchup against the Bucks, But uh, yeah. they certainly dominated this one. For sure. Uh, really impressive stuff. Anything uh, to say on the Pacers uh, as we uh, see them check out for the season? And Malcolm Brogdon played well. That's really all I got to say on them. Absolutely. I mean, his, you know, 21 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, and 10 assists uh, for the series. Those are good. That's, that's high quality stuff. Uh, TJ Warren averaging 20 points per game for the series as well. Unfortunately, uh, you know, some. Uh, Poor play from uh, from Victor Oladipo. I mean, uh, I think hampering this team right now. He's still working his way back. You know, shot under forty percent for the series. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some changes coming for the Pacers, obviously, I mean, the head coaching spot, but um, we'll see what happens in terms of the players. Mm-hmm. Who's your uh, series MVP from the Heat? Yeah, I mean, I'd be going Dragic, but actually it's probably probably Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I would take Jimmy Butler too, but Gordon Dragic made a compelling case. Jimmy Butler, notably four out of seven on threes in the in this series. The guy who yeah. Not taking many threes. Um, he got to the line a ton. That's what he does. You're right. I mean, you know, 35 of 42 from the line for the series. That's in four games. So that's a lot of free throws. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's wrap this uh, wrap this episode up by uh, talking about what we think is going to happen in these uh, these next two matchups. I mean, with the, all the information that we have now, I know we projected them before the playoffs, but let's let's talk about where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, I got to go Bucks, but I'm going to take them in seven to the Heat. Bucks over the Heat in seven. Uh, and yeah. Raptors over the Celtics in seven. Yeah, those are both. I mean, setting up for some really fantastic series. I mean, I'm going to take the Bucks over the Heat in, uh, in seven as well. I think the Heat are playing great right now. I can't wait to see what. I mean, you know, who knows how we'll feel about it even after we watch them play once or twice. You know, I mean, we might see some uh, advantages or disadvantages that we are not foreseeing right now. But yeah, I'm going to take the uh, take the Bucks over the Heat in seven as well, and I'm going to take the uh, Celtics over the Raptors in seven. So we're we're on opposite sides of that one, but both seeing a uh, long series coming up. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. We're going to get on it and watch the games today. we got to do the work out here. And um, we uh, look forward to uh, checking back in with you guys in a couple of days. Yeah, so if you're enjoying, please leave a rating and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, we appreciate uh, ratings and reviews wherever you listen. Uh, it enhances our visibility. It helps us uh, find more of an audience. You can also uh, get in touch with us via email if you have any uh, thoughts or suggestions or any ideas you want to share. At uh, Barnards on the NBA at gmail.com or on Twitter at uh, Barnards on NBA. Thanks uh, again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye.